0: Just like that, we're back. Thank you, everybody. tuning in to Fight Junkies. Today's a special day. Uh, Shout out to Extreme Couture G.I. Foundation. I was at the Sahara. Uh, They did a a collab with Tough Enough. And uh, while I was there, I got to meet an extraordinary gentleman in person that I've been talking to for a few months. Uh, We got Coach Dewey Cooper in the house, former two-weight division champion, kickboxing, Muay Thai boxing. Uh, What's up, Coach? Thanks for coming.
1: Hey, man. Hello. Great. I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, it's been a crazy last few weeks and um, I'm excited to be here. Man, I always see fight junkies on McGram and all of that. I'm like, man, I look forward to doing an interview with you. Yeah, let's chop it up.
0: Yeah, we uh we've been going for, it started with Oday and myself. Yes, yes. Oday was uh co hosting and then uh you know he's he's gotta be focused. He's got his show, but he's still an active UFC yes, fighter. So yes. it's uh you gotta be dialed in, which I think as his coach, yes. you know that he has to be dialed in. Um, yeah, for sure. All yeah, day, you've had day, a busy day. Oh, yeah. So you've had a busy time uh, the last month. That's why when I hit you up, I said, Enjoy the family, enjoy yes. chilling on the couch. Uh, how have you been? How's the come down from all that?
1: Man, it's been magnificent. I'm still hyped about the Francis and Tyson Fury fight. We stayed in Saudi Arabia for three weeks um, before the fight. We finished, we did a 12 week camp here. The last three weeks there, it was awesome, man. Um, i never been to Saudi Arabia. i have been to the UAE before, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, all of that, but never Saudi. And, man, it was very nice. It was it was really a good time. And and uh, you seen what happened in the fight. It was just a historic night for everyone involved. And as far as the show, before you even get to the fight, man, it was like the biggest celebration, festivity, extravaganza you'll ever see, man. Just the the posters and the decor of the stadium was was angelic man i will never forget that event uh they're doing it right in saudi arabia man for real your your Excellency um uh turkey Al sheik it don't get no higher level than that man yeah i
0: mean literally literally maybe the royal family at uh united kingdom that's yes, about it yes. um but i don't i want to get into the into the 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 fight with francis but I'm a fan of you too, not not just your lineage that that you've completed throughout your your 40 years uh, and your coaching. But let's take it back a little before we jump into like what every other guy is doing. Let's just talk about the Francis fight. I, I want to know more about about Coach Dewey Cooper, DC Cobra. You born in LA, and yes. you started. I'm sure you came up uh, like a lot of us do, fighting and different things. When. When did you get into the the actual organized fighting? Was it around? It was like ninety four. Was it around your first fight?
1: Well, well, um, no. I, I started amateur fighting in smokers in California, all over Southern California, as a little kid in the eighties. Um, I started doing Muay Thai in nineteen eighty five. And after one year, I started competing. There was a bunch of amateur smokers at Muay Thai events. Uh, That region was the first region to do Muay Thai fights. Before that, everything was above the waist. Um, I turned pro in 1994. Uh, and, And, yeah, you know, just fought a long time, fought all over the world, trained all over the world from Thailand to Russia to Croatia, um... France, you know, trained all over the world, and uh, uh you know, had a had a had a good long amateur career and professional career. Man, martial arts has always been a part of my life since I was a kid, pre-teenage years.
0: Can you talk about like we? I, I was born in the '80s, but I was I was a kid, grew up in the '90s. Can you talk about like that feeling of the fight game back in? In those days like in the early days uh before all the social media all the cloud chasing when it was like real fighters real dogs like what it felt like to be a part of that
1: yeah definitely the golden era but back then um politics have always been involved in fighting but it's much more so now uh back in the old days you know especially in the martial arts realm in the kickboxing realm everyone fought each other there was no ducking or no no uh, politics when it came to that. If you were a fighter, you would fight whoever. Champions always fought other champions um, and stuff like that. Uh, the money was never great in kickboxing, so you you did it from the heart more than just to earn money. Um, and I, I think that's the difference. Uh, so it wasn't a really big business thing. So everyone just wanted to compete against one another. Everyone fought fought one another. If you watch any of the old fights from the 80s and the 90s, you'll see, like, you know, Marie Smith fought everyone in America. Dan fought everyone around the world. All, all the top champions, guys who I love, like Rob Kamen, um, Ernesto Hoos, all these type of guys, Rick Rufus, Marie Smith, all these guys fought each other all the time. It wasn't like there was one supreme champion and he he would not fight the other guy. So we came from that era. When I was an amateur, you would just show up to the event. You never knew who you were fighting in advance. If someone weighed your weight, you guys would get on the scale and you fight each other. Uh, so that was the lineage that I came from. I even did karate tournaments back in the days. You guys know how those go, just like wrestling tournaments. You show up, whoever lines up with you, you fight them. Uh, So before the social media era, I think fighters were willing to risk more because now with social media and and a person being able to publicize themselves and make themselves popular, it's a little more crucial about losses and wins, more so than we came up. Um, It was about how great you fought and how hard you fought and the heart you showed in the ring. Nowadays, you still need those things, but your record is ultra important as far as money and finance and business and sponsorships. And so I think that's really diluted diluted the sport a little bit because now the top guys don't want to fight each other um, unless the organizations make them. Uh, So it's just a whole new world now, man. Um, Before, the promoters had a lot of power over you. So if you refuse to fight you who knows you may not, you may not never get another fight nowadays you can you can tell the promoter what you want to do because you're self promoting and, and making yourself popular and once you reach a level of popularity you write your own bill you write your own uh route to 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 your fights and stuff like that so it's just a crazy world out there now um i like to think the purist i am that that there's still a lot of fighters with heart and willing to fight each other. But I think the business does get in the way of that. And you see that in the sport of boxing right now, the business gets in the way of it all the time. Boxing is a business disguised as a sport nowadays. And that's why mixed martial arts is the most popular fight sport in America for sure.
0: Yeah. MMA UFC won, uh, Speaking of one, you're coming from Muay Thai, kickboxing, and boxing. Yes. Do you have a lot to do with, with a lot of the one uh, championship fighters, and do you go over there because you specialize in, I mean, they're huge. I In some parts, uh, they do bigger numbers than anybody yes. else in, yes, in the yeah. world. Southeast Asia, yeah. Um, I used to train
1: a few guys, but not now because, you know, I live in Vegas, and there's a lot of UFC guys, Bellator guys, uh, stuff like that, PFL guys here. Uh, so
0: my my slate is pretty full with fighters. Um, Why do you think kickboxing's not as big? I think kickboxing's super exciting. I I don't know why it's not as big here. I mean, I, I just can't for the life of me
1: it, for, for some reason, us Americans we love apple pie, baseball, and stuff like that. And, and since this it doesn't seem like it's an American thing, I think I think the uh, normal people don't don't really get enthralled in it. Um, even like I said, when when I was a kid, um, it start Muay Thai started gaining some popularity, but then it fizzled out right away. Uh, boxing was always the main thing; everything else was secondary. Um, I, I really think it's because kickboxing, Muay Thai, is just not an American tradition. So so the, the normal people, the general public, just don't get behind it. Um, like football or soccer, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, same thing. It's, it's called football all over the world. Our football, to us, is football. We call their football soccer. It's just the ego of the American mentality. We feel like if we didn't start it. Uh, it's not good enough for us, and and, and you're right. Uh, we thought with the, when 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 K one, you know, kicked off in 1998 uh, in America. That is, it was '93 all over everywhere else in the world. We're even five years late for that. Yeah. When 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 it kicked off in America, we thought K one was going to take over, and it was on ESPN. we were fighting on TV. It got popular for a while, but it just never catapulted into the the the, the main realm, and. Uh, MMA finally broke that mold. and became as popular as boxing, and uh, I'm really happy about that. But, but yeah, for some reason, I guess kickboxing, the martial arts way is known as more of an Asian thing, and, and I guess that's why the Americans just don't really uh, embrace, embrace it. it like they should. Um, but kickboxing was my first art. Muay Thai was my first art, so I always have a deep love for, for kickboxing and Muay
0: Thai for sure. Yeah, it's one of those sports that uh... – it's brutal. Yeah, it, yeah, and it, yeah. It takes some real
1: yeah, yeah, cojones to pain. get in there. <laughs> I, I I tell everybody, boxing, even though nowadays, you know, you got the MMA versus boxer beef, a lot of MMA guys don't call boxing a real fight, but guys, boxing is the most dangerous sport. Two or three guys every year die in the ring in boxing. Live events. What in thirty years of MMA, one or two people have passed away. So boxing is a very brutal sport. Uh, people don't realize that. Um, a lot of damage happens, a lot of head damage happens in boxing because you only got those two weapons, man. If things go wrong, they go terribly wrong. Uh, MMA, you're in a cage. You have so many things you could do, striking, wrestling, submissions. It takes heart to be an MMA fighter. You got to have a heart because it is more scary, smaller gloves. So it takes heart. But when it comes to kickboxing, it takes toughness. Even when you win fights, you're hurt. Muy, you know, Kickboxing, Muay Thai, it takes a tough dude to be able to do it because it's a lot of damage involved. Them leg kicks, the clacking of the shins. You can't take a guy down if you get caught in the leg too many times and get hurt. It, Muay Thai, dude, it takes a lot of toughness because a lot of pain involved. MMA takes more heart boxing just takes you being an athlete and, and uh, being and have have a good uh, aerobic gas tank. So that's the difference in the three, man. I love all three sports. Muay Thai is in my heart. But I love boxing a lot, man. I love boxing. And, of course, I love mixed martial arts.
0: Um, I had read that, and I don't think there's many people left walking the earth, breathing air, that have had Muhammad Ali... <laughs> yeah. Come watch them fight Yes. Can you talk about the emotions that you had Knowing that Muhammad Ali Came to watch you fight Yeah it was awesome
1: um, uh, His daughter May Ali and Layla Ali Are, are friends of mine But um, May She she went to UNLV She was graduate, graduating And uh, I went to her graduation party At her house And that was the first time I met Muhammad Ali Muhammad Ali is my favorite of all time Sugar Ray Robinson and Muhammad Ali Jack Johnson is his is third for me. Anyway, I met him for the first time. Man, it was awesome. They told him I was a fighter, kickboxer slash boxer. I'll never forget Ali put his hand up, and he said, jab my hand. And, man, I swear to God, I hit him hard as I could in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going
0: to show you. And, and,
1: and Ali, I'm not going to say what he said totally, but when he shook his hand and said, you are strong. <laughs> you know what else. <laughs> and after that. He told me right then that he was gonna come see me fight. And that was like six months before I had the fight in K one. And uh fight week, I got a call that hey Muhammad Ali's come to see you fight. Man it was awesome. And uh, I'll never forget when I got in the ring. It was it was a big K one tournament, eight man tournament. I ended up fighting three fights in that same night. I fought um uh this this Japanese fighter, Nobu Huashi. He was a Japanese champion. Then I fought the undefeated at the time, Mighty Mo, big old 280 pounds Samoan power punch. He had knocked everybody out. Um, I beat him, and then in the finals I fought one of my favorite fighters, uh, Michael the Sniper, Black Sniper McDonald. Um, and uh, that was a crazy fight, man, fighting Michael McDonald. Anyway. Before the before the final fight, myself and Michael McDonald were in the finals. Ali had just got there. He missed my my first fight. He got there at the end of my second fight. Anyway, he made out contact me. And he pointed at me like this, right when they were out. When Michael Buffer was announcing my name, and I pointed back at him, and it made me so hyped, man! It was incredible. Mike Tyson came with him also. Me and Mike been friends for a long time. We've been friends since the late nineties. Uh, Mike Mike Tyson came to several of my fights, um, but that night was special, man. I fought three, four fights in one night with Muhammad Ali at ringside. He came and embraced me, gave me a hug after it was over, man. I'll never forget that. It was, it was like. My greatest moment in fighting, just because Ali was there, I fought three pro fights in one night. I was the smallest guy in the entire league, coming in at 200 pounds, and everybody I fought were 40 to 80 pounds heavier than me that night. So it was awesome, man. I'll never forget that.
0: Oh, that's that's the days that will just—it'll never— be replicated yes ever again
1: yes yeah they do four-man tournaments now but it's like keep it real guys eight-man tournaments you got to get three fights in the same night to win we got to take it back to that and one championship should be doing stuff like that by the way um i'm not sure why they're not when on their kickboxing section they should be doing eight-man tournaments man there's nothing more more real than an eight-man tournament man because Fighting three times in one night is crazy. You get any injuries from their first two fights, it definitely affects that last fight, man. So it was crazy, man. The,
0: the guy that just walked in, Austin, was asking before you got here if I – I had to call him. If I was going to – he wanted to know when you were coming. What would you say? When is uh, – I, I was like, when, are you, when are you getting back in the ring? When are uh, you going at, coming out of retirement? Uh, man,
1: let me tell you something. With all these guys doing these fights um, – I try to I try to give all my energy to my fighters but I'm definitely down to do something if somebody wanted to do something you know what I mean uh but but I'd have to train I would need at least 6 months uh to prepare just because I want to drop weight and really be ready you know what I mean and I'd have to try to manage what I do with the fighters cuz I'm I'm really serious about training man it's a lifestyle for me and I give my all to my fighters, man. When I go home at night, dude, I'm spent every single night. And not only training O'Day and the Basharat brothers and Cody Garbrand and Carlos Taco and, you know, Amir Abazi, just so many guys, um, it's, it's I got Francis Ngannou and and training him it's like get hit by a goddamn eighteen wheeler every day. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy, man. I, it's just I just step out of, out of the physical realm and go spiritual when it comes to training some of these guys. Oh, Daniel Zell Huber with his hard ass kicks. You know, I mean, it's crazy. So in order to fight, it would have to be something that's worth it, and 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 something like that because you know I had my career. I had a great time. I fought since I was a young young kid. And so I don't, there's nothing that, that I feel like I ha- I have to try to do. But but if someone wanted to fight me or or some shit like that, then I would do it.
0: Like, I, I totally understand because I'm a soldier. Yes. And I, I watch your videos and I relate to you motivating a group of, of fighters because I used to have a, a platoon of soldiers. Yes. And I'd be out there dogging grinding these guys little, and yes. grinding these, uh, and just pushing them to the limit. Yes. And then when I got out, I was lost. Yes. So now when I'm when I'm with fighters who used to fight, it's almost like I'm being here as just a host. That's why I'm talking that I want to. And I'm not a fighter. I want to get in there and do more because I have that thing in me yes. too. And I don't. I feel like I gotta get. I gotta get it out somehow. Yes, yes. So yes.
1: A, a lot of fighters don't. Yeah, yeah. But see, you're you're 38. I, I retired at 43, my last fight was 43 years old. So that that's the difference. At 38, you're just ending your prime. You definitely got yeah. something left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I was ready. 38.
1: There'd be no question. I'd still be fighting. Hell uh, yeah. Um, but 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 but, but you know. One good thing about being a martial artist, I did Muay Thai, but I also got black, I I'm I'm a 5th degree black belt in Chinese Kempo cuz our school had Muay Thai and Chinese Kenpo. So I just trained all the time. Uh being a martial artist, I'm a fighter first. Uh fighter slash martial artist, you learn to train people early. Once you get your black belt, you train the little kids and the and the and the lower belts. So I got my 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 training while I was working. When I made the transition to to being a coach, I was in the middle of my career. I just signed my contract with K-1. Uh, My first champion was a girl named Jessica Ranger Rakosi in boxing. She was my first pro boxer that I trained. We started training in year 2000. She won her first world title in 2002. Ended up winning six world titles in three different weight classes. We unified the 135 pound lightweight division, had all four of the belts. Um, in 2002, she was considered the top 135-pound female in the world, and you guys will probably remember her from the Ultimate Fighter when Ronda and Misha were the coaches. Jessica was the one on Team Rousey who got to the finals, and ended up losing to uh, the 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 Vixen. Uh, 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 you know, you know, just won the belt, lost it to you know, lost it again. Um, uh, uh, No, 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 no. no, no. Uh. uh well, you know the Vixen, uh, Venezuelan Vixen. Uh, oh, uh, Juliana Pena. Yeah, yeah, Pena. Yes, remember, yes, Remember, yes. Pena beat Jessica Roccozi in the finals of the Ultimate Fighter. Jessica had no MMA experience; she was a straight-up boxer, and, and and went got on the show, and and did well. She beat she beat uh, you know some some really good fighters, Roxanne Mottafari, She knocked her out. Um, she beat uh, uh, God. Uh, Raquel Pennington, uh, you know, you you know, she she beat her, and then she got to the finals and lost. But you don't see that a lot. Yeah, but just uh, because my first fighter, people don't realize that. You know, so I've been training professionals since since the year 2000. So when we we go to like 2023. Me training Francis for a boxing fight, guys acting like I'm some just MMA striking coach. I got eight world titles as a boxing head coach professionally. Jessica Rakosi was my first. Babu Shumanov, he was a light heavyweight world champion. He was the first world champion from Kazakhstan. Triple G was the second Kazakh world champion. I trained him. We won the title, had three title defenses. Jesse Vargas, we won the WBO welterweight world title, knocking out undefeated Saddam Ali, and we lost the belt to Manny Pacquiao. And then just last year, 2022, my female fighter just uh, Jamie Miracle Mitchell. We we went to Liverpool and dethroned the, the world champion from Liverpool in our hometown, Shannon Courtney. So uh, people act like I'm some new coach. I've been doing this shit, coaching pros over twenty something years and eight world titles in boxing. So it's, it's funny to me how people viewed it like Francis didn't have a boxing coach.
0: You know, I uh I just I watched an interview that you just did, I think, at your gym. I forget who the guy was, but I I want to commend you for not smacking the shit out oh, of this he's guy about the Mayweather channel. It might have been this <laughs> guy. What, what was he getting paid by the Fury family? Like everything that came out of his mouth was like disrespect. I was like, yeah. this guy's got some fucking balls. He's because you got yeah. all your dogs behind yeah, you. Yeah, like yeah. Th- you don't fuck with Coach. We're gonna beat <laughs> no, you up. You the know <laughs> is, the, the only reason
1: why I didn't smack him. It's because I know them. People don't realize. Remember, my lineage is the Mayweather team. Yeah, Jeff Mayweather. Uh, Jeff Mayweather was my boxing coach. I trained with Roger Mayweather. I trained with Floyd Senior Mayweather. Anytime Jeff went out of town, I trained with his older brothers. Um, I've known Floyd Jr. since he was like 18, 17, 18 years old. I seen him come up from from the Olympics to to do what he did. so Jody, the, the the guy who did the the interview for the Mayweather Channel, has known me for a long time through Jeff Mayweather. So, so he, he felt comfortable enough to be him, his true self and interview me like that. Uh, anyone else, dude, I would have either walked out or smacked him in his face.
0: Well, I'll, I've been looking for someone to get in there and bare knuckle or box with. I, he's an MMA journalist, a boxing yes, journalist. Yes, I'll scrap with him. <laughs>
1: Jody, <laughs> no, Jody don't want that smoke, man. I don't even, I've
0: never seen the guy, yeah.
1: so. The thing is, you know, he, he, he loves Tyson Fury, and, and and like I said, he feels like he knows me so he could interview me like that, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll That's we'll one thing, live. Coach, but, but it, yeah, you got to yeah. be
0: honest. We, we all watch the same fight. Let's get into the Francis fight. This is a fight show. Let's let's get into it. There's no eighty five at least percent of people that have a, a, eyeballs that work in their their head connected to a brain know who really won the fight. Yes. And they know it's a business, and they already had the the Usyk fight lined up in Saudi in the same goddamn place. There's so much money on the line. They couldn't let the MMA world champ, Francis GANU, who's never had a professional boxing match, come in and beat. Do you think if this was just Francis and Fury in a backyard with some judges that, that I mean, across the scorecards, he would have won? Yeah, for sure. Um, How do you deal with the hate? How are you dealing with the the bullshit? How are you dealing with the hate, all the critics, and everyone saying that he did not have a chance? Well,
1: that was crazy. Like, before the fight, guys, literally everyone were laughing, saying this was outrageous, Francis has no shot, Um, four rounds max is what everyone said. Everyone said Francis' best chance to win is when the bell rings right out there and purse swing, street fight from hell until he just exhausts himself and the fight will be over. Uh, we heard all the noise, but, you know, when you're in the military, you know, and you're training, you're not hearing civilians say, oh, I'm scared that I may have to go to war. You're training for war, and you know when when, when, when that when that phone call rings, it's time for you guys to go, go to the field you're not even gonna think about anything but your training and then dissolving whatever problem that that you guys' mission is. And and that's the same way we looked at it. Everyone in our camp, and I and I, I can say this as real as I can say it, everyone in the camp felt we were gonna win from day one. There was never any doubt. If you look at any of the interviews way before, months before, we we're like God, we're winning the fight. Like, what are you guys talking about? It was crazy to me. I know what thought. We had to have a shot. You got the hardest puncher in the world you're facing. Just that alone means he has a shot. You know what I mean? Because if he lands, the fight's over. So it was crazy to me. I I knew he could beat him because I knew what type of athlete we had. I knew what type of background he was from. And I knew under those bright lights he wouldn't fold. He would be who he was in the gym. He'd be who he was his entire UFC career. He'd be who he was in the sparring and the training camp leading up to the fight against Fury. Um, and that's what it's about. Us as coaches, we know if our fighter is is on par or on pace for victory. You know, you put him in there with different sparring partners and you gauge it each each week. We gotta get a little better, a little better. Francis was doing that every week. We had a fifteen week camp. He sparred so many different guys, undefeated pro boxers, highest level guys. We weren't going with easy guys, um, and he was making those progressions weekly. We couldn't wait. By week 10, we couldn't wait till it was fight time because we knew what was going to happen. It was definitely no surprise to us, man, and we said it, we said it, and we said it. The last thing about the media workouts, we had a media workout here in Vegas um, before the fight, maybe five weeks before the fight, and everyone went nuts. Oh, he's going to get killed Fury's dad saying, I don't even want to watch anymore. This kid can't fight at all. Guys, for the hundredth time, it's a media workout. In media workouts, you don't know what the guy's done, if he had just sparred an hour before the media workout started, if he has to spar after the media workout, or if he's been in the mountains running all day and trained twice already before he gets to the media workout. A media workout is not your main training. So whatever you see at the media workout is just the fighter coming next. Air, to take questions, give you a little footage and just showcase himself. But people take those media workouts way too serious.
0: Well like you you just said with a soldier going to war, I don't listen to the civilians I just train. Yes. I could see the MMA critics and I could see the boxing but but the actual people behind the scenes that know boxing, that know you and yes. how many champions that you by yourself, how many belts you've won, then you are with Mike Tyson. Yes. You're you're you and Mike Tyson together, the critics let him talk shit. Yes. The boxing community, Teddy Atlas, all of them who, you know, and Teddy did good posts. He said he did a great job. Shout out to Teddy. But there's a there's a small group of people that should have known. Like you're not yes. gonna just feed him to the wolves. Yes. For you sure. you care about your fighters. Yes. I, I just don't know how how they I mean, they didn't give him a chance, and he went in there, and I think he won the fight. Yeah, coaches like Abel Sanchez, you
1: know, guys who who I think are great coaches were just talking way too reckless, saying it was a waste of time, the fight won't go 10 rounds. He has zero chance. Everyone has a chance, and the mentality of that person gives him a bigger chance. If you have a guy with a mentality that's that's unwiltering, relentlessly – won't break under under anything, then you got a chance, and and people had their 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 footage to see. When Francis fought Stepe the first time, he was tired after the second round. Stepe is the best heavyweight in the history of MMA. He still couldn't finish Francis. Francis was dead tired and went three more rounds with Stepe. It was our worst night. I was in. I was training Francis at that time. It was our worst night or whatever. But think about that. Francis never broke. He never cowered. He never quit. He just was exhausted. Fatigue makes makes all of us real normal. You know what I mean. <laughs> but 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 for for people to say he's gonna no chance. He's getting stopped in three rounds. It's crazy. Even if I were involved in this fight, I would have known Francis Gunn is gonna go a long ways um, because he fought Gunn on one leg his last UFC fight and went 25 minutes on one leg, man. I mean, one leg, he he destroyed his knee. ACL, MCL, all this shit. Three weeks before the fight, I was there, it was scary. He trained on one leg for two weeks. Him and I stood right in front of each other and just punched each other for two straight weeks because he couldn't do anything else. But he never. I wanted him not. I wanted him to pull out a fight. Eric Nixon wanted him to pull out a fight. Markel Martin wanted him to pull out, pull out of that fight. He was the only one who believed he could win on one leg, and he went out there and did it. We told him we believe you, but man, it's. Whoa. Yeah, we
0: gotta let's fight another day. <laughs> like, the
1: probabilities, Francis. You fight a, a move, a heavyweight who moves, kicks good, box good. He knows you from a, a previous team. He knows all your, your 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 moves. And you're on one leg. Don't take the fight. The probabilities were very low in our eyes. Francis, dead weak. He's like, I'm beating him.
0: I got a coach. Got so this. now we get to
1: this fight. We trained for 15 weeks. People were saying, oh, he's going to gas out. He'll, he only has three rounds. He went 25 in the octagon. You don't think he could do 12 minutes in a boxing ring? It's ridiculous to me.
0: You know what also bothered me? Um, and I'm not. And people are going to be like, oh, Fike Junkie's just dick riding Francis because I'm in the MMA world. Yes. And I'm a part of MVP. So yes. it is what it is. We had an MMA champion come over and whoop the lineal heavyweight. So, kiss my ass. (laughs) His first fight. Yeah, his first fight. (laughs) I heard so many critics. The same with with, with Israel Adesanya and Shaw Strickland. Instead of saying how good the the guy was on that night who stood up to the champion, they're saying how bad the champion looked. And I hate that. Because, yeah, yeah, they're saying uh, Fury didn't fight for a year. Well, Francis didn't fight for two years. Two years. Ripped his knee in half. (laughs) Was going against uh you know the chess pieces of the world yes. in the fight game to try to better his name and come and sign contracts that's a lot of emotional stuff yes. uh, i heard that he you know was borrowing future fight purses and yes. stressed out doing all that in front of the world and he still went in there and did what he did. And people he care about, uh, 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 media
1: people that he d- developed relationships with saying he fumbled the bag and and really not really smart, talking about his management, talking about his team, saying he, he just made the worst choices in his life. So all that stuff went on, plus you're not fighting for damn near two years, knee surgeries, every, you know, it was crazy. But again, the belief. And not just believing, knowing, man, you know, he knew he could beat Tyson Fury. We knew he could beat Tyson Fury. We were saying three weeks out from the fight, when we got to Saudi Arabia, I just can't wait to show you guys. It it was no more like we believe we could win, we're going to win. We're all saying we can't wait to show you at that point because we already knew. We already knew he was going to be able to do the rounds. We knew he'd be competent with his boxing. And we knew he was going to at least knock him down. You know what I mean? Remember, people really forget this was Francis Ngannou's first boxing fight. To fight a 10-round fight, your first boxing fight, is unprecedented. To fight against the defending, it is prime, undefeated world champion is insane. <laughs> Even when Conor fought Floyd. Remember, Floyd was damn near 41 years old. He was in his 40s, out of his prime. And Conor was the bigger guy, supposedly the stronger guy. In this case, Francis was the smaller guy for the first time ever because Francis is huge. He was <laughs> <laughs> way less experienced fighting a guy in his prime undefeated. <laughs> you know, I mean, so I understand why people thought he was going to lose, but to say a champion doesn't have a chance is crazy to me because that's another bonus they forgot about. Francis Ngannou is a champion. Uh, thank you. Shout thank out you to Josh, much. the American fan. Mother. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. you. Thank you. Yes, sir.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <But later laughs> you like, you got to at least you show your you face. face. <laughs> yes. You got to at least show your face on the camera, <laughs> 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 guys. Go follow my buddy Josh, the American fan. He's a, he's a great guy. Yes, sir. Thank so you, Josh. Do you do thank, thank you. Have a good show, buddy. Yeah, do you think? And, and this is a serious serious question. I'm gonna. Do you believe that the boxing world would have allowed this fight to happen if they knew how good Francis was? Definitely not. Definitely not. Because,
1: of course, they wanted—the the, the boxing world wanted a good fight, but they want the thumb their nose at the mixed martial artists and say, see, guys, you, you're, you're not on our level. Real fast, history, because I'm an old head and I know about the history. People keep talking about this boxer versus MMA thing. They always mention Randy Couture and James Toney. They mention Floyd and Conor. But there was one more fight, though, guys. What about when Tim Silver fought, fought uh, uh, Ray Mercer in the cage? Ray Mercer knocked out Tim Silver, the boxer. He went into the cage. He was the first before Couture and James Tony, all of that. Ray Mercer versus Tim Silver. They fought in a cage, and Ray Mercer knocked him out. So, you know, a fight could go either way. A boxer may be able to get in the cage and be the MMA guy, and the MMA guy can definitely get in the ring and beat a boxer. We already seen that two weeks ago. So it's not necessarily about the style or or the type of fight. It's about the person. It's always about the person. What they have endured in their life, how strong their mind is, what type of training they did, and and at fight night, how it goes. And that's the bottom line.
0: That I don't want to give too much credit to that the guy that... I don't even want to say his name. He annoyed me. Uh, he was driving me nuts during that interview. But he said, do you you think that Francis could beat anyone in the top 10? And I'm thinking he just beat (laughs) the the best best guy. What do you, (laughs) where do you think, what do you think's next? I personally, as a fan and I've been uh, supporting Francis because uh, I know what he went through and, and I've been through a lot, you know, from homelessness, addiction, divorces, Iraq. Um, So to see someone go through so much and come out the other side, I relate to them. That's why, uh, People always say say to me like, "Bobby, you tear up a lot." And it's yeah. people for ten years I didn't cry, and now I feel things because I'm yeah. not numb anymore. Yeah. So when I see Mike Tyson tear up, I understand it. Yes. It's just the world of pain we have, yes. and when we see stuff, I, it just comes up. Yes. And I think it's actually a strength. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what what do you think's next? I personally would like to see Anthony Joshua because if I think if he beats or when he beats him, then there's like there's no, yeah, no question. questions. I think. Uh, what's uh who's the skinnier guy I think Uh, I think he caves his chest in to be (laughs) honest no disrespect but I gotta
1: yeah yeah Deontay has power and all of that but um yeah if, if we're gonna do a boxing fight next I would love the rematch with Tyson Fury uh, it shouldn't have to be one, but I would love that. Uh, secondly, that Anthony Joshua fight, because Anthony's so popular. He's a big, strong, muscular guy. You'd have two titans in there banging it out. And I, I feel, I know that Francis would beat... Uh, Joshua. Uh, Anthony Joshua. And by the way, I like Anthony Joshua, um, but but I feel like Francis would beat him in a in a hell of a fight, man, in a hell of a fight. And the reason why I say that I'm not gonna give up all all the little secrets, but never underestimate the mentality, man. And you talked about homelessness. Francis was was homeless as well. Uh, stuff like that, just just build something within you, man. And that's something, I've never been homeless. You know what I mean? I couldn't honestly even imagine being homeless. Who knows what I might do? Would I be civil? Would I be nice? Would I be able to smile? Would I be a courteous person? Or would I start robbing and killing people? I don't know. Hopefully, I'll never have to find out. But you've been through that. You know how it is to sleep at night not having a roof over your head. And Francis does, too. I felt like that just built something within him that... People don't understand. So when you got to fight one man, no matter how great he may be, you've been through worse, man. And all this shit in life is about mentality. And that's why I believe Francis could beat Tyson Fury on his first fight, once the fight was signed. I was never like, oh no, we're fighting Tyson Fury. I told him, I said, man, you could win this fight and we're gonna train and we're gonna win this shit. And, and fight night, it, it was there. It was there, man. I'll never forget that decision. I'll never forget being in the ring. I'll never forget Tyson Fury declined the post fight interview. They canceled the entire Yeah, that was weird. They huh? canceled the he entire post fight. And I remember us not being able to get out of the stadium because so many people embraced Francis. It was like they would not let him even walk to the back dressing room. Not just his African fans, people that were cheering for Tyson at first were trying to just touch Francis. And I I got it on video, man. On this phone right now, I got the video of Suleiman telling him we're going to put you in the top 10 in the WBC. I haven't released it yet, but I actually got the footage right there him telling him that. I got the footage of him putting the gold bracelet, WBC bracelet, on, on his arm and saying, you shocked the world. Even I'm shocked. You know, so... It was a great night, man. Unfortunately, boxing, unfortunately, boxing is a business disguised as a sport and they took that 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 cherry on the top for us because you raised Francis' hand that night. That's just history that'll never be repeated. In a rematch, Francis will beat him but it still wouldn't be the first time they met. They robbed us of one of the greatest moments ever in all of sports that night when they didn't raise Francis' hand. And and that's the only bittersweet thing about the entire experience in Saudi Arabia. Man, it was heaven, man. It was great. The training, the facility they gave Francis, the food they fed us, everything was the highest level except for that decision.
0: Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yep. We're running out of time. I got yes, one more sir. question for you as a friend of Francis uh as a coach to him as a mentor do we see him back in MMA i, I just <laughs> i mean how do you go from um, MMA <laughs> back to i mean who the hell is he going to fight <laughs> yeah yeah um
1: all you know all he
0: said to
1: to us was that he planned on doing both of them you know what i mean the the business is up to him and his manager but he said to all of us he said to the whole team I'm going to do them both, MMA and boxing. So uh, <laughs> just that answer says absolutely you'll see him back in the cage. Yeah. Uh, but who knows when. It may be soon. It may be later. But he said he's doing them both, so I expect him to definitely do them both. Yeah.
0: Well, I want to say uh, as a as a, somebody who's who's led platoons and soldiers into combat, I'm proud of you. Thank and you. And I'm proud Thank of the you. man you are. I, I You're an inspiration. I watch a lot of not just the training, but the way you speak and, and I can just tell it's real. I know real people yes, when sir. I see them. Yes, sir. And uh, I think that's why everybody loves you so much. Do you guys have any questions for the champ before we get out of here? Okay. Thank you. Uh that's coach. I want to
1: tell everybody fight junkies. You guys absolutely rock. Hey, it's an honor to be here too. I really appreciate you guys and everybody around the world, man. Remember, if you're the underdog don't believe all the noise it's about what you feel about what you do and what you know and make sure you get people around you that support that just because everyone says you can't doesn't mean you can you know what i mean you can do it you definitely can do it hell
0: yeah coach i appreciate it oh, thank you very much all right guys fight junkies we're out <laughs>